Welcome to the Simon Short Podcast. I am Simon Short. We are here to talk about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, the end of the MCU Phase 4, uh, the end of big Marvel stuff here for the end of 2022. Um, so we have a lot to talk about. No one else I'd rather do it with than, of course, Muhammad Mehdi. Muhammad, welcome back to the Simon Short Podcast. How's it going? Thanks, man. It's it's going well. I'm excited to to chat Black Panther, one of the the best movies of Phase Four and of the best one we've seen in a while. I think so. Uh, real real hyped to be here. Uh, very very good. The one thing I didn't put in here, Muhammad, that I am probably going to make you do at the end of this podcast is slate this movie into your Marvel rankings. So if you, you pull those back up and, and as a nice little plug here, Muhammad and I ranked every MCU movie uh, earlier this year towards the end of the summer. So go back and listen to that if you haven't already. But let's dive in just to Wakanda Forever for right now. Muhammad, what were your general thoughts? It, it's Tuesday night, uh, November 15th as we record this. It's hopefully Wednesday the 16th when you're li- or Thursday the 17th when you're listening um so roughly this movie has been out for about a week what were your thoughts coming out of the movie and what are your thoughts now almost a week after the movie came out yeah man it i felt a a rush of energy i think as i left and of course that was a lot of the emotion of the movie and uh you know the the um the brilliant homage to uh the late chadwick boseman which i thought was uh, wonderfully done so i think coming out of the theater was probably of course a lot of emotion and sadness but also of that feeling of of being thrilled uh and looking back and you know i'm i'm on tiktok i'm on twitter and i'm seeing all black panther memes and uh you know comparisons to the first one and references and and i think i'm feeling even better about the movie than i was going out of it uh like the on on thursday when i first watched it so um seeing all the little things that I miss and, and I'm going to see it again next Tuesday um, and, and hopefully catching some more of these uh, little Easter eggs and, and small little call outs. Um, I thought it was just very brilliantly done. Um, well shot cinematography was great. Story was phenomenal. And I know we'll get into this villain was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neymar was one of the best films that I think we've seen in the MCU mm-hmm. so far. So um, overall, just a complete MCU movie, and I think something that we've been longing for for this entire phase. You know, we've we've had one or two movies there, but uh, it feels like we got the whole package with this one. Yeah this this one really felt like okay, we're back, right? We there were there were plenty of things that we liked about some of the other movies that came out in this phase. Spider-Man obviously was a huge, huge success, but that even felt like it relied a little bit on the fan service aspect, um, which is fan service. We're very happy about it. So, but it it, it relied on that a lot. Um, there were things in Doctor Strange that were that we liked. There was a, a lot of stuff in Thor: Love and Thunder that we liked, but those two things I think both kind of missed the mark in certain areas. Black Panther: Wakanda Forever was fantastic from from beginning to end and and we've talked about before you can't discount the things that are going on off screen in the real world as well when when you're assessing how well these movies do um so for example iron man one uh was the very first movie in, in the mcu right so you almost grade it with a little bit of grace the things that it does are maybe spectacular for it 
but wouldn't have been spectacular for Avengers Endgame, right? Um, same thing here. Black Panther Wakanda Forever was carrying so much of a burden, not only for the MCU and where it's going and wow, this phase was kind of disappointing. This one has to hit and we have to introduce new characters for TV series and, and future projects. But also you said it, the emotional weight of, of losing Chadwick Boseman and everything that that meant. So we're losing a, a tremendous actor, a tremendous person, a tremendous creative body of this story and, and all of these projects. But we're also losing our portrayal of King T'Challa, which is such an important character, not only for the MCU, but for so many people uh, around the world, around the country that are fans of, of Marvel Comics, that are fans of Black Panther, we lost that. And, and so we deal with that grief of both Chadwick and T'Challa very, very heavily in this movie. And, and right. the fact that they could balance mm -hmm. all of those things. Sure, was there maybe some things where you're like, I wish they didn't have to do all these extra things along with it. Yes, um, that, that maybe made it not a perfect game-changing one-of-a-kind film. But considering it did all those things and did it as well as it did, I'm not just saying it was pretty good at a lot of things. It was very good at many, many things. Makes this such a good movie. And I think at the end when we do kind of talk about, yeah, where this ranks not only in phase four, but across the MCU, it, it's going to be very, very high, at least for me personally. Um, we had not only that emotional uh, aspect, but we also had the, those beats of the MCU, right? On on the positive note, we had um, some great fight scenes. We had some great cinematography. Like you said, we had some really great jaw-dropping surprises, some some aha moments, uh, um, some, some very funny moments between some of these characters and actors that have great chemistry between them. So the normal things we look for to see an MCU movie and, and then some new things and some things that are very unique to this movie, uh, we definitely got. Let's start this conversation with Shuri. Um, Shuri, played by Letitia Wright, is obviously the center point of this story we had some back and forth, you and I, uh, when, when trailers dropped and, and at, after Comic-Con about who was going to carry the mantle of Black Panther. And, and, and Shuri made a lot of sense. It was Shuri in the comics. Mm -hmm. I think I made my official guest, Nakia. Um, but but Shuri, uh, within five minutes, you, you knew this story was going to be about Shuri and the mantle was going to go there. Um we have from I mean from the beginning it's Shuri in her lab trying to save her brother T'Challa by by recreating the heart shaped herb. Um, we see her go from so then we're dealing with the grief of not only her losing her brother who her losing her king but feeling like she could have been the one to save him and and not being able to do that. So then through that and then through uh, many other parts of the story that we'll get into. She is steadily gaining power and gaining influence and, and a bigger role in the country, in the kingdom, um, and ultimately is the ruler and Black Panther. What did you think of Shuri in this movie, the decision to make her Black Panther, um, and how the, the story worked centering around her? Yeah, I thought it was great. I actually watched the first Black Panther uh, yesterday or two days ago to just kind of see like some character's development, specifically her and 
And to see her evolve from kind of that comic relief character to more of that serious um, character with, of course, keeping her comic uh, kind of character in, in stance. And it was really cool to, to kind of see that. And you, you see it like you were mentioning that first scene of her uh, taking on more of that serious role of, of that burden of leadership, of, of kind of carrying a whole country on, on her back when it, it wasn't even anything that she wanted, right? Like she was talking about um, the, the Black Panther suit and how it was outdated. Um, but seeing her progress throughout, um, it, it was really cool. And I think the right fit for the suit and the, the mantle of Black Panther, I don't, you know, I think there are a whole host of candidates that could have taken on the suit, but I don't think any that would have made as much of an impact emotionally and resonated with the audience uh, than Shuri. Because um, I, I think part of what made her uh, character so cool and her processing Chadwick's death is it felt like we were processing T'Challa and Chadwick's death through her eyes. And I thought mm -hmm. she did a really great job of, of kind of... Uh, of carrying the weight, the emotional weight of the movie, um, like we were talking. So I thought it, it was a great choice. And <clears throat> some of those fight scenes too, like she was, she was mm -hmm. really ruthless. She was uh, especially, mm -hmm. Right. And especially that fight, uh, that one-on-one -on -one fight against Namor, which first of all, I thought she died. <laughs> I was like, she, right. Yeah. yeah we yeah. lost all of them. Um, <laughs> but then for to see her get up and, uh, and have her kind of moment of, of clarity of I'm not going to pursue vengeance, similar to what T'Challa had uh, in Civil War, uh, where he kind of put down um, his his vengeance against uh, Bucky Barnes. Um, and I also thought it was cool to see, like, you know, who she saw when she took uh, the the herb, um, which, you know, uh, I, I thought it was going to be. We could say it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I thought it was going to be her mother, but it, okay. it was the legend uh, Michael B. Jordan, who I thought was alive um, for the longest time. It was like my biggest Years. theory. He was going to come Years back, saying this. <laughs> but he didn't come back, uh, but nope. he could still come back to the multiverse. Uh, but it was really cool to see him. And especially I think narratively it works so well because she was just out for blood, right? She was out for vengeance. And, and, uh, um, and I know we'll talk about Mabaka. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, kind of talked to her about vengeance and in, in that role, and, and to see her ultimately make the decision that was best for her and based on her brother's legacy, uh, I, th I thought was very fitting. So it was great to see her move through all of these stages and, and kind of even stages of grief uh, throughout, um, and ultimately through to acceptance at the very end. Two things that really stood out to me with her journey: one is her relationship to the traditions of Wakanda. So we see very early on kind of the reasoning for why she is this, this super genius, this person who's so into the science, into the technology of what Wakanda can do. And it's because she doesn't fully believe in, in, in the religion, the customs and the traditions of her her country of her kingdom right we we see the scenes with you know her mother taking her to to do some, this uh traditional kind of grief ending process right and, and she says you know i don't believe in that stuff that's not going to actually help me with my grief um mm -hmm. and, and the 
to go from even to the opening line. I I forget their their God's name that she prayed to, but she was like, I I will start believing in you if you help me help my brother. Right. So the opening line before we see anything, we see her in a way like denounce this this religious aspect, which is very um prevalent in society right you've got you've got families with the younger generation uh, growing up in in religious families and and not necessarily carrying those beliefs and yeah this feeling of like technology and medicine versus religion and and tradition and um a very normal very uh relatable aspect of life so to see her go from that to then rising up and saying no i'm going to be the leader of this country i'm going to honor these traditions um uh, we we see her burning her her grief robes uh, at the, the funeral robes at the end of the movie a, as her mother wanted her to do, um, and, and become the Black Panther and, and to see that from where she was at the beginning when she didn't even want the Black Panther to continue right after she couldn't make the heart shaped herb to to save her brother, her mother wanted her to keep working on it and she didn't want to she was like we don't need a Black Panther you know we have this other stuff going on that we can do right. Um, she didn't care about that stuff at that point. So then to go through everything she went through and care about at the end was really great. The second thing was the maturity aspect, right? At, at the beginning, she you mentioned it. At the beginning, she was still kind of that playing that comic relief role. Um, when she goes on the message or, or on the mission with Okoye to find uh, uh, Riri Williams, mm-hmm. She was like, hey, this is a field trip for me. I get to get out of the kingdom. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to be on a college campus. Cool. Um, could talk to somebody my own age. It was just a good time for her. She she went out there to have fun. And then, oh, man, I, I want to drive this fast car. I want to get on this motorcycle. I want to do this, this, and that. And then all of a sudden, she's basically kidnapped. Uh, and, and she is with Namor. And they, you know, she's seeing his kingdom and everything he's going through. And um even backing up to when her and her mother were on the beach and namor comes up kind of the she's the first to realize but hey he's got he's got vibranium right the the right. what struck me was almost and this is going to sound bad but like almost the hubris right of like we're the wakandans we have the vibranium that's also a big part of the beginning of the movie other countries wanting to get in on on the technology and them saying we're in control of this technology it's ours this is our resource you guys don't have it you can't take it from us and then they're just now learning about this group of people this kingdom that have also been living with vibranium and they had no idea and she's the first one to see and say that to her mother hey he's got it and then she's making that realization and then she goes from the fun side character to when she sees his kingdom, sees everything they're going through, and then she's kind of faced with a choice with him of, hey, do I side with him and, and take over the surface world um, to protect my people, or do I declare war? And and unfortunately, I, being sure, am in this situation because I'm one step closer than I was you know, 20 minutes ago, two years ago, whatever. So all of those growth processes through the movie, I, I felt, were very well done, very interesting to watch. And, and Letitia Wright did a just fantastic job. You said the emotional weight that she carried along with Angela Bassett. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then once Queen Ramunda, uh, 
guys. And, and now Shuri has to take on all of it, not only from an acting standpoint as Letitia, but as a character standpoint and a story standpoint as Shuri just continued to step up and evolve and get better throughout the movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I just thought the whole thing was really, really impressive. Um, right. Anything else on, on Shuri there? Obviously we're going to talk more about Shuri as we go, but uh-huh. anything else just on her, her growing? Yeah, just something that is is so persistent for her throughout her kind of MCU existence is loss, right? Like, I'm just thinking, and and I know we had the five-year jump, but on screen within, like, what, six years, and then there would have been 11 years, she's lost her dad, her brother, and then now her, her mom, right? And, and mm-hmm. it's just, you can kind of see her with the, and I'm, you can see all of the, I'm not sure we saw her processing T'Chaka's death as much as we saw um, T'Challa. Um, but you could definitely see with with T'Challa's death. And then I think the the um, um, Queen Ramonda's death really, really just kind of threw, threw her for a loop. And, and I think to just kind of see her grow into her own from the ashes from that was, was really cool. Two things, just so I don't forget about it before we, you know, kind of come back to this subject later, but tie-ins to to the first movie. Uh, obviously, a lot have made this comparison, but, you know, T'Challa losing his father and, and going through that. And you even right. mentioned, to, you know, suppressing that that need for revenge and moving on from that. Um, and then Shuri losing Queen Ramunda in this one. Um, two really strong parallels. And then kind of a fun one, and it kind of ties into the Killmonger piece as well. Remember when Shuri made the the new Black Panther suits in the first movie? Right. And she showed him the one with the gold lining. And he's like, oh, that's too flashy for me. I don't want it. And then Killmonger takes it. Uh-huh. Um, and, and you know, when we watched that in that time, we were like, oh, that makes sense, right? This guy wants the flash, yada, yada. And then for Shuri to also go for that one uh, was pretty telling. And then, yeah, the tie-in to her and Killmonger later when she does – take the heart shaper and, and go to the ancestral plane um, really just ties that in, but we will come back to Killmonger for sure. We have a whole section on that because that was huge, but let's get to Namor. You mentioned it potentially best villain in the MCU, at least definitely currently, I would say with the ones that we've kind of lost. Right. Um, but before we get into best villain overall, I want to talk about some villain entrances. So Namor comes to us in this movie and maybe what the MCU does best. And it's a sneaky big time action scene on a giant boat in the middle of the ocean at night. Nothing the MCU does better than that right there. And they do it again here. Um, we have a, we have a secret uh, uh, government kind of situation happening out in the middle of the ocean uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Lake Bell, who was the doctor or, or scientist or somebody that was on the ship. Um, she was in an episode of The League and an episode of New Girl, so shout out. Uh, but we have the the uh, Namor and, and his people are there attacking the ship and, and destroying, you know, the technology on it, sending the crew overboard. Um, as soon as the scientist and her, I guess, bodyguard kind of. Uh, fly away on the helicopter and think they're good to go. Helicopter just gets whipped around, and we just see Namor kind of in the air after after he throws this helicopter, burning and exploding into the ocean. Um, very intense, very very cool, very action packed, very fun. 
I have some other antagonist slash villain entrances written down. I want you to tell me where this ranks and if you had any other ones that you thought of in comparing it to. But we have uh, Bucky's entrance in, in Captain America and the Winter Soldier um, when he when he shoots through the, the apartment and, and gets Fury and, and they have that chase scene, all that. Hela and Ragnarok, Gore and Love and Thunder and, and his story at the beginning. Thanos, obviously, uh, you can either do the the mid credits in the Avengers movie or or Guardians of the Galaxy, whichever you really consider his entrance. Uh, Ultron walking in at the end of the party in Age of Ultron for the faults of that movie. I really like that entrance. Wen Wu and Shang Chi, um, again that story, that backstory at the beginning, uh, and then obviously Killmonger and Black Panther. So, so where does this entrance of Namor, this first, um kind of big meaning of him rank for you in terms of MCU movies. It's definitely on the top tier of what you just mentioned. Like I, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to rank them and I, it's impossible. <laughs> um, so I'll put it right in like the top four. I think Killmonger was definitely one of my favorites, uh, especially as I just rewatched it. It's just so cool. So there might be some recency bias there. Um, I, Thanos, of course. It's, and I think that might be a little bit skewed as well, just because of the impact of Thanos. Um, I also really like Wang Wu's story mm-hmm. um, and, and how they just kind of took us all the way back in time. And, and we, we just had no idea who, who this guy was. And then we saw how cool he was. Um, and then I put him probably right in right after that. Um, yeah. That little moment. I think that's lot four or somewhere top four. Um, he was just a BA and, and that scene as well as just, I guess even like as he told the story of his people and we get this beautiful shot of, um, can you remind me the place of, of where they were? Uh, Telecon? Yes, Telecon. If, yeah. I'm, if I'm it's, saying it right, yeah, yeah. Yes, seeing Telecon and seeing Namor's, you know, his his backstory, his reasoning, his purpose. I just thought all of that just made him such a great villain and, and, and you could just see the raw strength and power and in, in that entrance with the, with the helicopter scene. So um, definitely top four. Um, and and uh, yeah, and we can definitely talk about villains itself, but it, I think it, oh, it definitely will. ranks up there. Oh, we will. Yeah. I mean, there's so many good ones, um, but this, this was big time. This was, this was really big. Um, I think you, I think you have it right. I, I think the, the Bucky and the winter soldier one, I think that one was really big. Um, and then this does get into like how we feel about those movies and, and villains in general. Right. I was higher on that movie than you were when we did our rankings. And, right. you know, then you're kind of like, uh, Bucky's not really a villain. Even by the end of that, he wasn't, he was barely an antagonist. So you get into that kind of aspect, but this is, this is big, man. And, and the Thanos one, I mean, we knew, and, and here's where I, where I really think of it. Thanos we knew was going to be big when it happened it wasn't just mm-hmm. now looking back we're like oh that was a big deal we knew the first time we saw Thanos's face oh, okay we're here we're doing it it's happening that's kind of how I feel about Namor just because I feel he's going to be around he's going to be here right. for a long time and we'll we'll talk about him more at the end but the sliding scale to which they make him like a thorn in the side anti-hero sometimes uh some sometimes teammate sometimes villain antagonist 
versus just straight up villain will be interesting to see as we move forward. Um, but we know he's going to be here. So seeing such a cool entrance for him, um, not only without the dialogue, but if you want to take his first scene with lines on that beach was just really, really incredible. So I, I think I have him right up there with, with the Thanos one. Um, we'll see how well that ages as time goes before we get into the best villain conversation, because you mentioned Telecon uh, and, and going through and, and hearing his story, not only for him personally, but the kingdom and what they're going through in terms of um, just to lay it out. Basically, with the Wakandans being so tough on everybody and, and introducing the world to Vibranium and what they have and what their resources can do makes the world want Vibranium. So now they're mining for it. Now they're out looking for it. They can't get it from the Wakandans, so they're determined to find out where else they can get it from. Through that act, other nations have stumbled upon Telecon and their resources of, of Vibranium. Because guess what? When, when the, those meteors landed, they didn't just land in Wakanda. They landed in multiple places. Um, so so now we're dealing with that, right? It's this story of, okay, there's this land of people who are peaceful. They're keeping to themselves. They have their own resources. And all of a sudden, without any warning, uh, they're essentially being invaded for their resources. Um, so hearing that, hearing that story, seeing the people, which – uh, Namor did a very good job, I think, of, hey, I'm not just going to show up and yell at you and tell you. I'm going to show you what's going on. How much did you empathize with him after and kind of, you know, what his motivations were and what he went on to do throughout this movie? How much did you empathize with and understand that based on these few scenes where we were there amongst his people? And it goes all the way back. Colonialism, right? Like <laughs> colonialism, capitalism, uh -huh. right? Like. Uh -huh. I'm all about that. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a doctoral program and we're doing critical research. So I'm, I was like, I was there. Right. And I know he goes a little extreme and it's violent, but right. He's looking after his people like that. That's mm -hmm. his kind of primary goal is his land. They, they're really trying to go and float um, by themselves and, and do their own thing, have the society. He saw kind of what people were like above ground. And it's like, I don't want anything to do with that. And to his, to kind of like a like a comparison to Wakanda, that's just kind of how they were as well, right? Like they had different motivations to to kind of seal themselves off, um, but it just I just saw the the parallels so clearly between the two, um, and I think Namor did as well, and that's why he was uh, trying to talk to Shuri and relate to her and and, and get them to join forces um, because there are these two powerhouses that have the same mission of preserving their lands, their resources, uh, because the colonizers are kind of out there trying to trying to take and, and get more um, resources, vibranium money, all of that. And so I, I strongly resonated with him, which I also think is why I thought he was such a great villain because you could see his perspective, right? You could see, you know, he's not evil for evil's sake. He's not like, devil versus angel he's it's, it's kind of this gray area where he's, he's just trying to operate and, and protect his people at, at any with any means necessary yeah it it just makes it so compelling so interesting yeah you you agree with so much of what he's saying and, and shuri kind of being our guide through that trying to determine okay how much can i side with this guy how much can i work with this guy 
and then he loses you at like world domination, right? You're you're right. with him until then. You're like, hey, yeah, we can work together. We can figure this out. We can help you. We can protect you, yada, yada. And then you click on the world domination point and then you're just like, oh, okay, man, you, you lost me there. You lost me there. Um, right. Talking about that scale of, you know, where we go with Namor moving forward, how much do you want to see of him as uh, uh, this anti-hero who's, who's with them some of the time, with them not, or with, with them some of the time and not with them some of the time versus is he too good to pass up? Should he just be a straight villain? Should he just be a straight up antagonist moving forward in MCU stories? I hope he kind of does both, right? Like at, at some points is, is a villain um, in, in some of the stories uh, and then comes back to support them in like the big battle against Kang or um, in, the, in the next big, big boss fight. I just want more and I would love a solo movie. I don't think we'll get one, um, but I think there's definitely some things to explore with him and, and his character in more detail. And so I, I hope we get a little, I know we got some backstory, uh, but I hope we get to just kind of see him living in a non-crisis time, right? Like how does he operate uh, with his people when there's not a big, huge conflict going on? Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. So I lean far more anti-hero, right? And that means you can get these stories like this where he's the main antagonist. But at the end of the day, just like you said about his story, he's not doing what he's doing out of pure evil, right? This is what made Wen Wu so great in, in Shang-Chi where at the end of the day, he did the right thing, right? He chose his son over his his own personal, what he wanted to do. And even that was kind of guided by, you know, be, being tricked and... um that always makes the most compelling villain and, and the one it's the one at the end of the day, they're just, they have a, a good moral reason for doing what they're doing. It's just more about the way they're going about it. Now, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of room just for a straight up maniac who, who we want to see um, destroy stuff and fight people. And you know what, that that's Thanos and um, that is uh, Hela and that is Gore and Ultron, you know, all those that that always has its place um but from an interesting story arc more than one movie perspective getting these more complex villains is definitely very very interesting so keeping namor as an anti-hero where we can get a little both and it doesn't have to come down to final blows at the end right like take eric killmonger who had that same complexity and was such a good villain but at the end of the day, it was either going to be, you know, his way or not, right? And, and you can't live and continue a story arc like that, no matter how much you wanted it to, Muhammad. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> it, right? It's black. It's black and white at that point, and, and you know, it's it's this way or it's that way. Whereas uh, Namor, I think, has a little bit more room to be in the middle. Um, all right, we got to get into it, man. Best villain, period. Yes or no. Now I I know I just there there's so many different types of villains. So so right. What I mean by so many people can be in this category. So really, this is is this the best antagonist we've had? Is this the best going up against our hero of this movie we've had in an MCU movie? Obviously, Thanos is looming large over all of this, right? right. Thanos has stretched over so many movies. He's been in so many individual movies so many team-up movies you can include thanos or not if you want but 
looking at individual antagonists over all of these movies in the MCU, how high up is Namor? I think the, to preface my answer, I think what the problem that I had with so many MCU movies in the first few phases is the villain was just kind of very easy to defeat and Mm -hmm. just very forgettable. And I think they've done a good job of kind of correcting that in the next, in the past few, few phases of, of, of the MCU. So I will say he's recency bias for me. He's definitely top two or three, uh, but he, it's definitely hard, right? Like I very much enjoyed uh, Green Goblin in, in No Way Home. Like I thought he was a great just yep. nemesis, and you know he he seems kind of even opposite to Namor. He, he's just pure chaos, right? Like mm-hmm. he's he's just doing he's just doing whatever he wants to do just for 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 chaos' sake. Um, and then I would also say Gore. Um, recently, I thought. And partially because of Christian Bale's wonderful performance, yep. um, he did he did very well. So, and those are just two from from Phase Four that stand out very strongly to me. I don't want to mention Thanos just because it feels like more of an arc um, that yeah. that he had, and he's also C- <laughs> Gore is also CGI, but he's also very much CGI. You can just feel the the realness, and, and it just feels yeah. like Namor was larger than life on screen. So. I want to say he's top three, but I don't want to commit <laughs> uh, to, to him being the best one. Yeah, that's fair. I, I'm going back through the movies now. Um, I think I think the thing that makes particularly the Black Panther villains, antagonists, so, mm-hmm. so hard to top is that combination of the realness and the physicality, right? The, they, they both were so physically imposing being being killmonger and and namor while also being you know and obviously namor that flies has wing feet swims underwater all that stuff but uh being so real being this like humanoid being um as opposed to yeah gore who kind of becomes like a demonic uh demigod kind of thing and then thanos who who is um an eternal a giant you know purple man um so on and so forth you know just looking through i mean green goblin's a great one mm-hmm. um i mean i think all of the ones from spider-man all the spider-man movies really ha- have been great uh but again that that standpoint of if you if you put namor in front of any of those guys namor's blaster right through the man so so i think that combination of being basically a god but also being able to see and connect with him on on a human level really puts him high up there which again was why when woo was such a great and compelling villain as well so yeah i'll 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 say top three and we'll kind of we'll kind of leave it at that for today i think that's a pretty pretty easy out for both of us um let's move on here We'll, we'll get through a couple of these ones a little more quickly but we can't go any further without having just a, a separate dedicated section for Queen Ramonda, uh, who, like we said, first half of the movie, right, all the way up until her death, really care- was the catalyst for carrying this emotional weight. We see her, you know, talk about someone dealing with loss, right? She she lost her husband. She lost her son. She's trying to keep, you know, this kingdom together. She's trying to pull Shuri back in, who's distancing herself, right? She's trying to do all of this stuff. 
And that that's weighty, man. That puts a lot on somebody. And I think not only having her as a queen, as a royal character, pull that off, but having some having Angela Bassett, um, just a, an actress with so much so much weight behind her, so much experience behind her, so much, you know, you you know who she is, right? And you feel her on the screen. Mm-hmm. That was so important. Seeing seeing her go out and, and find Nakia in, in Haiti and and try to bring her back into the fold, right? Um, hey, this stuff that I'm doing here back home isn't working. I need I need you. Um, you really you really feel it with that as well. So, uh, right. and and I was telling you that was the moment of the movie, her death, where I was just like. There's no way this is happening, man. This is mm-hmm. your your cat's making an appearance here. Um, but there, like, there's there's no way that this is happening, right? That like something has got to be crazy. Which is then what kind of gets into some of the like oh. Shuri forgiving Namor and and you know calling truce and everything like that. It's like, dude, just killed your mom, man. I don't know. I don't know about that one. But t- talk to me about Queen Queen Ramondo, Angela Bassett. You know, where, however you want to take this conversation. Yeah, I thought she had a very powerful performance and especially kind of processing loss, like just keeping it together, right? She loses T'Chaka, she she loses T'Challa, she loses Shuri for part of the movie. And, you know, you can see that pain in her eyes, but it also, you know, you, you don't see it um, really affect her in, in, in ruling uh, in the way that she does, right? And I think that that's what I thought was was probably the best part of it is just uh, while this loss is so heavy on her heart, she still knows that she has a nation to look out for. Um, and especially that part where, uh, you know, where they're trying to recapture or trying to get back um, Shuri. So, I, yeah, I thought she did great in Angela Bassett. It's just, I hope, I, and I know um, the Academy isn't very fair to, um, superhero mm-hmm. movies, but I, I hope she gets some sort of recognition for, for her performance uh, because it really did set up the emotional arc of the movie towards the end um, and, and seeing um, or just, oh, man, it was, it was so sad to see. Um, and then give, <laughs> no, we're not talking about Namor anymore, but Namor giving that line of, you know, bury your dead, mourn your losses. You're the queen now. Um, and just seeing that transfer of, of power that literally just happened, right? And, and Shuri had to grow up in an instant uh, because of the loss of such a powerful figure in her life. We could go on about Queen Ramonda and Angela Bassett all day. We really, really could. Just, I think some of the best monologues we've seen in the MCU in a while as well. And she had two or three of them just in this movie, right in the courtroom um, with the UN mm-hmm. for one, while we're getting the the cut scenes from the attempted robbery uh, of uh, one of their outposts, um, her in the, in the throne room kind of, you know, talking to everybody on the council about, you know, what they're going to do about Namor and what they're going to do about the nation moving forward. Just, I, yeah, the way you said it was dealing with everything she was dealing with and then not having a single misstep in the the royal duties that she also had to fulfill um, 
while also being a, the loving and caring mother, taking care of her, just so many things she had to accomplish while dealing with her own grief was, I mean, just really, really powerful stuff and just makes the loss of her for us as fans and viewers just that much more gut-wrenching. And, and that's what it is. And um, just a real, real tough scene. But again, very, very well done. Very, very incredible work. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'd love if if somehow she can get some kind of recognition for for that performance because it was incredible. Right. Um, let's move to a new character who who's in. Uh, we mentioned at the top, part of some of the struggles of this movie was having to balance both telling this story honoring Chadwick Boseman, but also setting up the MCU for future projects. And that includes the introduction of Ironheart, AKA Riri Williams, who's played by Dominique Thorne. Uh, she'll have Ironheart. will have a TV series that comes is supposed to come out at the end somewhere of 2023. So about a year from now, um, how do we feel about the character? How did we like, you know, her entrance into the MCU? Are we excited about the TV show? What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I know it felt a little bit forced and, and jammed uh, in, into there. And, you know, there's their whole idea of making money and, and launching this product. But I thought she was a good character and a good compliment to Shuri, uh, someone who's looking for someone their age and um, kind of that friend um, to connect with. Uh, I thought their minds are also similar in that, uh, you know, the, the whole science thing. And always wanting to develop and, and whatnot. And, you know, you can see that when they're in um, in, in Riri, uh, Riri's garage. So uh, I, I thought it was I thought it was a great way to introduce the character in um, into this movie. And, and of course, seeing someone else in the iron suit um, is, is always hard. Right. After Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, it's hard to not make that comparison. Um, but I, I'm still looking forward to kind of seeing where, where they take her character and, and, and how uh, they move her story forward. But I thought overall, I thought it was a great plot point to uh, plot device of if you are going to introduce Ironheart, what better way than making her the person that uh, Namor is after uh, and, and having her be kind of shielded by Wakanda and, and, and Shuri. So I thought they, they did it well. Um, it, it, it did seem a little bit forced, but overall, I think with the fit of the, the characters um, of Riri and Shuri um, and how, how well they got along and the, the chemistry that they had on set um, really kind of shine. Yeah. We got great parallel moments of seeing, the flashback to the first Black Panther with T'Challa walking in to Shuri's lab and them doing the handshake to then at the right. end, Shuri walking in and, and there's Riri, right? Tinkering away. And, and right. you know, if we can get that kind of dynamic moving forward, right? If Shuri has to take a small step back from the lab, but we kind of get the next Shuri in there because I think these two characters have like, two of the top four IQs in the MCU or something like that. Like mm -hmm. I literally think it's Reed Richards, these two, and then Tony Stark. So to have that kind of have somebody with Shuri that can speak that same language as her while she's off also doing the Black Panther things, if that's what we get a little bit moving forward, that would be a ton of fun. And then to get that, yeah, that that iron suit aspect, right? And to, to get that, quote unquote next iron man right that was such a big part of 
of phases three and four with, with Tom Holland, Spider-Man trying to be the next Iron Man. He's not that he's Spider-Man, but we have a tinkerer. We have a mechanic. Mm-hmm. We have a gar- person in the garage trying to build suits and build um, you know, planes and drones and, and all this stuff. And the, the comic element that's going to come with that, right? We got a little bit of that in the garage mm-hmm. where um, she's like, oh, that's not ready. Oh, that's not going to work. And you're just imagining, you're thinking back to that first Iron Man where he's building his first suit and, and he's going through the ceiling and he's blowing up and he's doing all these things. And you can see this world where that's happening. Um, I think is, I, I'm really excited for, I thought uh, Dominic Thorne did a fantastic job. Um, and, and I'm very excited for the MCU to continue to get younger, get more diverse. Uh, let's right. give, you know, young girls and young, you know, black kids somebody to look up to somebody in the mcu that they can see and 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 want to emulate and, and want to buy the action figures of and want to go buy the comics of because it's the only way we're going to keep moving this genre forward by by branching out and not just being you know the same faces we see on screen year after year after year so i'm really excited i thought she was fantastic i thought she was very funny and and yeah the more shuri has to take on a more serious and leadership role. Yeah. Let's, let's find the next person that we could kind of lean on to be that comic relief while also continuing a story arc on her own. So seeing where she's going to go in her show is going to be, I think a lot of fun. I I know that the Disney plus shows have kind of gotten a bad rap for, you know, how important are they to the MCU? Um, how, you know, how seriously do we take them? the more time we can spend getting to know some new characters, um, in a, especially in a lighthearted, maybe just fun way, uh, I'm I'm totally here for. So I'm really excited about that moving forward. Um, good time here to just kind of uh, spend a few minutes on really the rest of the secondary characters that, that are in here. So the floor is yours, Muhammad, M'Baku, Okoye, Nakia, Agent Ross, Valentina Allegra Cole, who also got kind of shoehorned into this movie. Um, although I do, I, I, I'll, I'll just say, I think having her and Ross actually being uh, exes is pretty funny. And, and again, and I'll tie this into the, the Ironheart actually thing that you said that I want to touch on. MCU forced themselves to introduce these things, right? To springboard Ironheart, to springboard Thunderbolts. But at least the way they did it and wrote them into the movie worked right it's kind of a standpoint of maybe you didn't need to do that for this movie but if you had to do it i at least like the way you did it right so valentina Mm -hmm. being ross's boss and being his ex-wife is is hilarious and was at least funny and that at least worked from that standpoint um and then obviously ironheart being the riri being the one who built the machine that discovered uh, Telecon and then Wakandans having to save her made sense for the movie. So, so any of these side characters, let, let's spend a few minutes on, on them and, and how you felt about them in the movie. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with Mabaku. Oh my gosh. What a treat. Fantastic. Uh, Winston Duke Incredible. was in his bag. Um, and, and I thought he just was, is having fun with the character, which, which I love because in the first one, um, after rewatching it, um, you can kind of see his progression in, in his portrayal of, of the character. It, it felt a lot more serious and, and, and a lot more, um, 
yeah, it gets just serious and grave. And, and, and in that movie, he had to be because they were, the Jabari were out in their own and out in the mountains and, and, and away from the society and they've been incorporated in and for the, for the past few years. And so now it can really, uh, you know, his character is, is more integrated into society and, and it, you know, you can see him having a little bit more fun and, you know, making those jokes. But then also him being a mentor to Sherry, I thought was a, a great kind of plot point because um, his him, him and T'Challa's relationship, I thought, was also a very interesting dynamic in, in the first movie movie as well. Um, Valentina and uh, was it a- Agent Ross? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I I thought uh, yeah I I agree with you is is very interesting to see them kind of to, not together but as sexes uh, but also kind of together. Um I didn't like how she knew the whole time or was tapped in. I feel like she would have acted earlier. I don't know if that's plot hole um but it felt like if she was already kind of tapped in her character so smart and cunning that she would have made a move before the very end of the movie. Um, if she had been in there from the from the top, so, um, and then let's see, yeah, Nakia. Um, I thought it it was really great to see her, and and I had to refresh myself and and remember that she was one of the the spies that they had out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we'll touch on this later, but just kind of seeing her living her life and then coming back, forced back into action, and then. You know, at the very end, her uh, with with um, with Prince T'Challa uh, at the end, I thought was just very touching and and kind of carrying uh, the the legacy very well. Um, I'm I'm glad we we got to revisit her. Uh, I I wasn't sure um, how much of a role she would have in the movie, um, but but she she was a very strong force in the first one and kind of continued that into into this one. Her in particular. I was so fascinated by in this movie. And again, I went in and again, very, very quickly uh, realized what was going to happen. But she was the one that I was like, dark horse, black Panther pick. Right. And and even Mm -hmm. they even had that moment where you're wondering if Shuri's actually going to take the heart shaped herb once she's made it. Right. And, and, you know, you have the moment where Queen Ramonda goes and sees Nakia and and you wonder I mean part of me in the back of my head was even like does the queen actually have some that she's been keeping on her this whole time and hasn't really (laughs) told anybody about um and that was me just trying to push my own agenda really of ah I was right (laughs) look at that um but when you when we get there and we realize she's because yeah I'm wondering where where is Nakia this whole time and we realize not only does she not live in Wakanda anymore? Uh, but she hasn't been there for, you know, six years. She wasn't at T'Challa's funeral. And for the rest of the movie, you're wondering, like, what happened? Like, what is this, you, you know, and we, we see grief is such a big part of this movie. This is, you know, this is how some people deal with the grief, right? Shuri locks herself away in her lab. The, the queen is trying to keep everybody together. Nakia leaves. And, and you know, that, that is part of reality. So you, you spend them, you know, you spend the first few minutes when, when we see her and see, she just left and you're like, is there something more going on here? And, and then she kind of explains it was just too hard and you kind of write it off. And, and then, yeah, the, the reveal of Prince T'Challa at the end, just, uh, just about broke me. But, um, 
then it all makes sense, right? And then you think back, like I'm I'm so fascinated when you go back and see this movie again, when we rewatch this movie uh, over the next year, you know, handful of years, and now we have that information from the beginning, we're going to know like everything she did, her and T'Challa decided that was going to be the course of action. And, and right. that's just super duper fascinating to me. Um, I agree with everything you said about everybody else. You know, the, the Valentina point is a really good one. And it probably was just, okay, she needs to be in this, but we don't have enough time or space to have her actually mess anything up. So just don't, uh, don't, don't let her get too in the way of the main story. Um, Okoye was just doing her thing. Just uh, no beats missed. Also carried a lot of emotional weight in this one. Um, and Mbaku and just the way everything you said, the way he's progressed, um, uh, going from being an outsider to being, you know, kind of in this inner circle and the work Winston Duke does is just, just incredible. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, all right. We've referenced both of these moments. Now I want to know what your biggest wow moment in the theater was. So, so let me set these back up. We have a kill monger cameo for the two of us. Those were, it was probably equally as big, but for two completely different reasons for you, because you still wanted him to be alive. Uh, so you were now faced with the reality that he is not. And just the fact that, I mean, I don't know about you. I, I didn't have any whiff of Michael B. Jordan being in this movie. Now I mm -hmm. actively avoid all spoilers. So I, I know some people were even like, ah, oh, it makes sense. Him and Kugler, you know, it makes sense. Kugler right. would get him in this movie. It makes sense without Chadwick Boseman. Michael B. Jordan would not only, want to be in this movie but kind of need to be in this movie to add a little bit of heft to it um but i had i had no sense of that so i was completely shook when he was on the screen um uh, this cameo obviously took place when shuri took the heart-shaped herb to become black panther she goes to the ancestral plane she doesn't go to a plane she doesn't go you know to her lab she's in the throne room and, and killmonger's on the throne and he's telling her it makes sense. I'm the one you see because you're just like me. We we want vengeance. We want blood. We, and, and to what I was alluding to a little bit earlier, we don't see this the same way as those that came before us because of we have different circumstances, but we don't believe in the traditions and customs that uh, Wakanda has been, you know, uh, uh, you know, pursuing and actively engaged in over the years. We want to do things differently. It makes sense you see me. And then her dealing with that for the rest of the movie on, not really telling anybody who she saw because she's worried about what it meant. Incredibly, incredibly fascinating. And then the end of the movie, uh, Shuri is in Haiti. She's with Nakia. She is doing her, her ritual, her, her burning of her funeral attire. And Nakia wants to introduce her to her son, T'Challa's son, Toussaint, who then has the most, and, and you immediately, it clicks, right? You realize why she left, right? Before she even tells us, this is what T'Challa and I decided. We wanted, um, you know, our son to be away from everything that was going on back home. Um, and then the, the moment of, my name is Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa, just like, Oh my gosh, just heart wrenching. So for you, of these two moments, or if there's a third moment in there, what was the biggest wow moment of this movie? Yeah, I think Killmonger is definitely 
I, I was surprised too. I had no idea, no no whiff of Michael B. Jordan outside of us, you know. I was like, oh yeah, he'll be in this because he'll take on Black Panther. This is before I saw the female outline of, of mm-hmm. Black Panther and then kind of that kind of confirmed it for me. But I thought he just just kind of stole the show with his five minutes. Um, yeah. You could just see that anger in his eyes, um, which I thought was so cool. Um, I Yeah, I think for me though, the the Prince T'Challa moment was just so wholesome, so sweet. And, and I think perfectly... I don't know. It was just a great way to go into the the whole movie. Was the beginning was a tribute and the end was a tribute, but kind of going into that and helping Shuri process the death, right? To see her nephew alive and well and and thriving and taking pride in his name and son of King T'Chak, son of King T'Challa. Um, <laughs> and also, he sounded like Corn Kid. If you know who I'm talking about. I don't who is this okay i'll i'm sure the listeners know but it's this kid who really loves corn and he's really excited i'll send you the video after, oh okay he, no yeah yeah i've, I've seen this i know what you're yeah, yeah yeah so he stuck <laughs> a lot like one kid so i was like is that him um so that was great um huge break for but yeah that was probably my my top moment the other top moment that wasn't really a surprise was just like the fight scenes and the the, the fight that they had on on the uh, was it the boat aircraft carrier yeah, the Wakandan boat, boat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah I would say that scene was was probably one of my favorites too um, just just like the way that they executed it but yeah for me out of those two definitely Prince T'Challa yeah it it was one of those that so the Killmonger one. I mean, they do two different things, right? The, the Killmonger one informs mm-hmm. so much of what's happening for Shuri moving forward. And, and the Prince T'Challa reveal, uh, the Tucson reveal, reveals so much about what has happened. But it does, you, it was a great point. Uh, just that added, you know, kind of almost a relief for Shuri, right? Where, you know, she she knows something has come out of this. Um, she knows that her brother is living on somehow and you know in a in a meta sense for all of the hashtag you know recast t'challa mm-hmm. this is a you know the, the mcu has given themselves a way to have t'challa in this timeline in this universe um how they do that do, do they age him up at some point do we go through the the multiverse with him and he comes out the other end bigger do, do we get a different version of him yada yada and endless possibilities but yeah just again i said this at the top but so much of these movies is also about what's going on around them so to have that moment at the end to kind of bookend the tribute to our t'challa and to chadwick um yeah made that i mean as soon as you see the kid in the background like not even the first time he talks the first time he gets up close to sure you see him up on the hill and I mean, my hands go like over my head, like just like in disbelief, right? And that was kind of the the vibe around me in the theater. Um, so that that was that was definitely a big big deal. So I, I think I'm with you on that one. Um, all right, I've, I've said it a couple times, but moving forward, how do we incorporate this story and these characters in the MCU? What do you want to see? Is there anything in particular? Um, whether it's crossover with other movies or other projects or just if you want 
another solo Black Panther movie, what you want to see in Ironheart, anything. Right. Yeah. So I think what the theme of phase four has been is just really been passing the torch. Right. So like different characters getting the mantle. And so, so, so moving forward, it seems like we have a core young team of young Avengers or, you know, teen, not Titans. Right. But like teen heroes that are ready young, to, to kind of young Avengers. Take, mm -hmm. Exactly. So, um, seeing some sort of you know tie into throughout kind of this not even multiverse just kind of seeing what story what villains kind of come through is it namor or is it another character um i would totally love to see wakanda again um really i would love a, a black panther 3 but i think um it may make sense to to kind of take some time away because for me, the magic of Black Panther Wakanda Forever was um, the four years since we had the single movie and we revisited Wakanda in um, the crossover movies. But just seeing Ryan Coogler work his magic, I think, wouldn't be as effective if we got one every year or every two years. But seeing it kind of uh, every three years, maybe. Um, but seeing the characters alive and well in the, in the, in the vision of a, uh, of a, a collab movie, uh, would be my goal and, and preferably with maybe like, a with a core young, uh, Avengers, like we were talking about, um, in, in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Give me young Avengers. Give me, um, one thing that we just got a small hint of in here was the midnight angels now that was the the right. new suits that shuri made uh for okoye and for uh uh did we what what's her character anika anika i'm sorry i'm mispronouncing that i'm sure but michaela cole's character um who we got so little of in this movie which just screams to me that we're gonna get more of her moving forward which i can't wait for if that if midnight angels is a is a disney plus show at some point sign me all the way up man let me see let, right. let me see this special elite force from wakanda just continue and yeah maybe if this is the way we can get back to wakanda without it having to be the giant you know ryan coogler picture every time right i still want that but the way any way i can continue to get more of it just absolutely so give me that um Give me Namor with the Fantastic Four when that comes out. You know, I was going to uh -huh. bring Fantastic Four at some point. This makes the casting of Fantastic Four even more interesting because Namor is always going after Sue Storm. So let's figure out who he's going after. Let's figure out who Mr. Fantastic is and, and why he can fend off Namor because Namor's getting it, man. And uh, the, that's going to be very, very interesting to see how that works. Um Let's see. Yeah, I'm excited for Ironheart and, and, you know, then how all this works with the multiverse, right? Who is the Black Panther in the multiverse? Do we, is this the way we do get a recast T'Challa? Is, is T'Challa right. somebody different in, in one of the other universes? Is it, or or is it, you know, M'Baku or Nakia or, or somebody else in, in one of the other universes, you know? Uh, I'm just excited to see what that looks like as well. Is it Killmonger, right? Is there, a, you know, we saw it in What If. Is there a universe out there that we're going to see in the MCU where Michael B. Jordan gets to be the Black Panther and, and um, how good or bad or, you know, somewhere in the middle is that 
Um, I want to see it. So uh, I'm very, very much excited for those possibilities as well. Um, and, and just a, a moment for me on the, the, the recast T'Challa front. And, and we kind of also said it at the top for, for everything that we normally kind of pick nits about in these movies to have been set aside for the sake of this movie. And, and just, it, it really has felt like, uh, people are just enjoying it right so even the strongest hashtag recast chala people that i've seen out there all the way up until the movie came out right all the way up until wednesday november uh, 9th or whatever it was were able to kind of set that aside once the movie came out and said okay they didn't do it um the movie is out nothing else we can do the movie was good and Shuri as Black Panther was good. Letitia Wright, everybody was great. So we're happy with it. And, and we still want to recast T'Challa at some point. However, that has to happen. It needs to happen. But this movie was good. And, and I, I really did appreciate that. And, and um, I'm here for it. So, Muhammad, anything else about this movie in general before I make you put it somewhere in an MC ranking? Uh, yeah, the, the last thing I'll say is uh, I enjoyed it overall. I also think I may have enjoyed it a little bit more because it's been a few months since the last big MCU pro project that came out. Um, and so I think that definitely kind of helped. Like I felt that that sense of wonder and excitement as I was in the theater. Um, you know, of course, because of the movie and, and, and the uh, in Wakanda forever. But also it, it made me go back to kind of phase three when I was just sitting in the theater with my popcorn um very excited and, and just locked in and loaded and, and this movie delivered on all fronts and so i'm i'm just excited that it's a part of our lives for moving forward and i again they, i thought they did a great service to chadwick um and and i'm glad that we we had those such such touching tributes um to him and uh, that kind of carries his legacy um his strong legacy in, in mcu and in our lives very well said all right so i'm gonna make you do a muhammad we're gonna go back and rank every marvel movie now with this place no i'm just kidding we're just gonna slot uh black panther wakanda forever into our existing rankings that we had now now just as a quick refresher for everybody um muhammad and i we ranked every marvel movie on a 1 to 10 scale, we had our own parameters set up just to make it easy for the two of us to do a ranking. Uh, I'll give you basically the title of each number ranking, right? Everything that we could rank um, just as a quick little refresher. So a 10 is an all-time great, perfect movie. 9 is an amazing movie with one or two small flaws that are pretty easy to overlook but differentiates from a 10. 8 is a really good movie overall, but has its issues uh seven good all around but nothing was great uh and, and six is just all right you would watch again but we're not seeking out obviously we're not going any lower than that i'm sure so i won't even bother going five and below hashtag uh five below you know just wanted to shout out that's a story <laughs> that sounded cool for a second yeah uh let's let's make it happen they would they would probably also give me five below if they were to <laughs> right. send me any money uh with that aside Muhammad, what did you rate this movie, 1 to 10, and where does it kind of slide in with, with the other movies that, that we ranked? 
Yeah, I I want to give it a 10, but I think uh, it, it's a, it's at a nine. Um, and I think it's because of the, I don't know, the it, it just felt like they were forcing a little bit of content to set up future storylines. And I think that's what kind of pushed it at a nine. Um, and I think it's probably the strongest nine that I have. I would put it above Far From Home. Um, I was thinking about above Ragnarok but I, I, I can't do it um, Ragnarok is yeah. just such a classic um, and so I think it's for me it would be number six overall in, in our rankings if I'm if I'm looking um, at, at the movies which is a solid place to be um, uh, because of the entirety of the MCU is just so vast and deep and we've had some very big heavy hitters over the past few years but um solid six on the list um and and a nine overall we are very very similar muhammad this is a fantastic movie those couple things that they forced in again didn't ruin the movie by any means but it, it to be a little nitpicky just to rank these things yeah adding in the the you know valentina allegra cole and the sometimes awkward iron heart mixing into the story um does make it a nine for me which is very very good i only have eight movies that that are ranked either a nine or a ten so uh very very strong i think i'm gonna put this at seven for me very very close we're, we're right around the same range um so it's a top 10 movie it's number seven for me i think um obviously recency bias does get in you know if we check back in three months it might be a couple spots lower but i don't see it being any lower than an eight which again it is uh 14 of the 29 movies are an eight or up for me so very very good we definitely enjoyed it um we won't relitigate our entire rankings or anything but it's safe to say we both really enjoyed the movie so Muhammad, any any parting thoughts? Any any last words on, on Wakanda Forever before we wrap it up? Just Wakanda Forever. <laughs> Perfect, Wakanda Forever. I had to indeed. do it. Uh, no, it was, it was fantastic. I loved it. It was very very well done, very well executed. <laughs> um, Muhammad, I appreciate you, man. We appreciate you. This has been a blast as always. Uh, can't wait to do the next thing man i mean what second it's gonna be a little while before we have another uh mcu thing to put on here so uh in the meantime uh everybody thank you so much for being here and muhammad as always thank you for being here uh maybe we'll check back in with you as we go through some more nfl stuff and we talk about the lines having two top 10 picks in this year's nfl draft so uh good on you for that um but everybody thank you so much for listening to the simon short podcast We will talk to you again next week. Have fun and be safe out there.